Blog Talk Radio.
Another edition of Prayer International Radio, and it's a few minutes past 10:30 uh, Central Standard Time. Normally, we broadcast from 10 to midnight, but for some reason, our uh, settings were a little messed up tonight, so it kicked on and wouldn't let us get on until 10:30. So we do apologize if you're looking for us earlier, and uh, but of course, you can always check out the archives and listen that way. You can also go to the website at www.prayerinternational.org. We've got an email address, prayerinternational at gmail.com. You can send in prayer requests, comments, concerns, send in your info so we can build a database and just pray for you and lift you up to the Lord. And, of course, we want to uh, be just another extension of the body of Christ in your life. We're going to begin to do some videotaping this year and try to put together a few series on prayer this month. Uh, we'll also start in February probably some training classes, uh, just some basic Bible foundation classes, get into some leadership training probably by March or April. And just want to let you know, uh, Sean Holmberg will be in and out throughout the week, and eventually we'll have a friend of ours named David Posey, He'll be sharing uh, current events and praying through world news and just another extension of our prayer team that's praying and watching and listening to the Lord and praying over the things that are going on not only in our nation but also the other nations. You know, God is the Lord of the earth. And being his people, you need to realize that our inheritance are the nations. God called us to inherit the nations, and we need to begin to pray for the nations. And if you're praying for the nations, God bless you. But realize that God is calling out to his people to begin to stand in the gap. The Bible says that God wondered why there was no intercessor. God wondered why there is no man to stand in the gap or no woman to stand in the gap. You ever wonder what would make God wonder? After all, he is the God of all wonders. But yet, he per- was perplexed to the fact that he he could look throughout the earth and there was a lack of men and women praying. There was a neglect in prayer and it broke his heart. That's why throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, you'll hear the prophets declare the word of the Lord concerning being watchmen on the wall and praying night and day and not holding their peace, but interceding and travailing and lifting up not only Israel to the Father, but lifting up the nations. And then as you begin to look into the life of Christ, you'll see that he, being the great intercessor, the great high priest, okay, this is the intercessor who, who models his life to us. He's the firstborn of many brethren, the first fruits. See, not only did he come down to be our Savior, he came down here to be our example. 
And not only did Jesus live a life of prayer and intercession and communion with the Father while he was here during his earthly ministry, but now he is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession and praying and declaring the glory of God, lifting up the people of God to the Father, making intercession for the saints. Listen. You pray, God, make me more like you. If you want to be more like Jesus, it's going to come at a cost. It's going to come at a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is a life of praise and a life of prayer and a life of brokenness and and yieldedness and servanthood unto the Lord. You see, prayer is not only just speaking to God and, and muttering and declaring these things or, or just reading the Bible to God, although we need to read the Bible to God. We need to remind God of his word. We need to speak to God. But prayer is more than just asking and speaking. It's receiving. Prayer is fellowship and communion with a loving Father, with a loving God, who is most interested in you most interested in me, most interested in his people. You see, we think that God loves us because he has to. We think God loves us because he has to. But do you realize that if you're a child of the Lord, if you're in Christ today, that not only does God love you, but he likes you? Do you know that God is completely head over heels in love with you? Think about that for a minute. I thought about that today as I was, I was driving around this morning, driving around, running a few errands, taking care of some things before my wife and I had to start our day. And, you know, one thing I thought about is not only does God love me because he sent Jesus, but he's actually excited about me. He actually likes me. He actually is head over heels in love with me. And not only me, but you, if you're a child of God, if you're in his kingdom, you need to understand he's constantly looking for ways to get your attention. He's constantly drawing and and trying to woo you to him and draw you to him if you're a child of the living God. And even if you're not, God is constantly trying to draw you into the kingdom. But especially if you are filled with the Spirit or touched in your spirit, if you have a consciousness, if you have an understanding of God, if you've begun a walk with the Lord, listen, God is eagerly pursuing you night and day. Just sometimes we're so caught up in the things of this world. We're so caught up with the busyness of life. You know, life gets busy. You know, life is busy. Life gets hard sometimes. And sometimes we get a little weary. We get worn out. We get distracted. We get caught up. But listen, God is constantly pursuing you, constantly pursuing me. And he's a respecter of faith. And he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. See, he created us in his image. And here's a loving God ready to lay down his life and sacrifice 
for his children because he wants to please them. He wants to do for them. He wants to bless them. See, Jesus said, look, if you're going to take up your cross and follow him and deny yourself, anyone that tells you that Christianity is easy lied to you. They sold you a, a, a bill of goods. Anyone that told you the minute you prayed and asked Jesus in your heart, everything in your life was going to get better. In essence, what they're saying is true in the end, but not necessarily circumstantially in the beginning. Because it's a process we learn how to obtain things in the kingdom. We learn how to press through and break through. We learn how to find and, and hook into the blessings and the places of and the people of God that God puts in our lives to be a blessing and puts us in their lives to be a blessing. But sometimes it's child and error. But listen, God is looking for those that will eagerly pursue him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. Jesus said, what did he say? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So as he honors God and gives good praise, then the first thing on his agenda was, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, Jesus, our example, Jesus, the one who modeled his behavior here on earth to show us, yes, in in our humanity, if we'll be led and filled with the Holy Spirit, we can do these things. And then he gave us saints and examples and apostles and disciples to show us here's mere men. Yes, they were full of mistakes and full of issues and full of problems. The men and women that followed Jesus definitely had their share of issues. As they began to meditate night and day on the word of the Lord, as they began to learn the ways of the kingdom, and they began to follow Jesus' example of blessing and serving and going out and giving themselves to the word of God and to prayer and to fasting and to miracles because they gave their lives in faith. See, these were men. It wasn't like this was Superman. Peter was a cousin sailor fisherman before he was an apostle doing signs and wonders and leading thousands to the Lord. Paul was a murderer who spit in the face of Christianity, who killed Christians and actually got razzed about it. He was there when Stephen had rocks hurled at him at his death. The stoning of Stephen, Paul was there. And here, this man God used to write two-thirds of what we consider our doctrine, our theology, our New Testament. The murderer of Christians, Paul. And the cutting sailor, fisherman, Peter. But something happened to them when they had an experience with the living Christ. 
something happened to them when they gave themselves to prayer and gave themselves to the service of God. Something happened to them when they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God came on their lives. They were changed. And God used these men to do impossible things that in the world's standards, things that in the world's eyes, things that in the light of knowledge were impossible, miracles, impossible, coins coming out of fish's mouth, impossible, angels loosing jail cell doors, impossible. Lame men at the gate beautiful, standing up, jumping and leaping and praising God after years of dependence on alms and years of being stricken, not being able to walk here. One word from God, one touch from God, one miracle through a man who was given to prayer and to the Holy Spirit. And here this other man is able to walk and leap and praise God. Need I remind you, that wasn't done through through the living Christ in his earthly ministry. That was done through Paul the Apostle after the Holy Spirit came upon him because he believed God in faith. That wasn't done when the 3,000 were saved in the book of Acts. That didn't happen when Jesus was walking around on the earth. That happened when Paul, the cousin Fisher, Sailorman was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave himself to prayer and fasting and gave himself to the service of Christ. And he took up these men, took their crosses up, and they denied themselves, and the Lord blessed them. The Lord used them mightily. So what am I getting to you? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he made a promise to us in the Bible. He said this, In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will have visions. And on my handmaidens I will pour out of my spirit. And there will be signs in the earth, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And on my servants I'll pour out of my spirit, listen, on his sons and daughters, on the Jews and the Gentiles. See, God said he would take wasted, desolate cities and that were uninhabited and good for nothing, and he would turn them into cities that would be inhabited. He would take desert wastelands that were good for nothing and he would make them a fertile spring and put rivers in the middle of them and they would be lush and abundant and overflowing with fertility. Listen, maybe life has gotten you and your life has been wasted. Maybe you're in a situation where it feels like you've wasted years and you've wasted your life and Things in your life aren't coming together like you thought that they would. Listen, if you will turn your heart to do things God's way, no matter whether you're a Christian or not, if you're not, you need to repent and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's really easy. That means turn from your sin, 
turn to Christ, ask him to forgive you, ask him to come into your life, ask him to lead you and guide you, and begin to forgive and release others so that you can be forgiven. Instead of carrying your anxieties and your fears, begin to start turning yourself to the Word of God and to prayer and begin to take your situations and your circumstances to the Word of God. Find solutions in the Word of God for your problem. And then begin to pray those solutions over your problem and watch your situation turn around. And as you begin to do things God's way, the dry, desert, good-for-nothing, wasted situations and circumstances of life that you're dealing with. God says, all things work together for the good of those that love me and are called according to my purpose. So if you love God and you begin to walk in your calling and you're walking towards the purposes of God, then God says everything will work together for good. He'll work everything out for your good. You just have to trust him. Because the Bible says, he that comes to God must believe that he is. So you have to believe. You have to have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But he that comes to God must believe that he is. Believe that he is what? Maybe some of you are saying believe that God is what? Believe that God is whoever he says he is. If he says he's your healer, if God says he's your healer, then begin to believe him for your healing. If you're sick in your body. If God says he's your provision and he'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory, then begin to believe God for all your needs to be met and for all your needs to be supplied somehow. Because he's the God of the impossible. And he makes all things possible. We don't know how he's going to do it. We don't always know the plan. We don't always know the way. We don't always know where or who or what or why. But you know, we know that some trust in chariots and some trust in horses. Some trust in man. But let me tell you something. Horses die and chariots fall apart. And people will lie to you and deceive you and do you wrong, no matter how good you think they are. Now, are there righteous people in the world? Yes. Are there good people in the world? Yes. The ones that are filled with the Holy Spirit and and walk with a God agenda and not their own? Yes. There are. But they're few and far between, my friends. And let me tell you something, when it comes down to it, even if your mother and father forsake you, even if your best friends forsake you, even if a church full of people forsake you, let me tell you something, the Lord will take you up, the Lord will take you, the Lord won't leave you or forsake you, the Lord promises I will never leave you or forsake you, and let me tell you something, 
that the Lord's promising you that. All the promises of God are yes and amen in him. If God said it, you can take it to the bank. If he said it, you can believe it. Why? Because he's not a liar. You know why he's not a liar? Because he's not a man. That's why God's not a liar. He even said so. God is not a man. Why? Because he knows all men are liars. In fact, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Why would it say that? Because we know that only God is true. That's why he says, I am truth. He is truth. The Lord is truth. And if you know the truth, if you have an intimate knowledge, if you have an experiential knowledge of the truth, being Jesus Christ, being the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, being the Father of truth, not the Father of lies, but the Father of truth, the God the Father, Jehovah, God. If you have experiential knowledge of these three in one, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, let me tell you something. You'll be set free. You'll be set free. That's how you get set free. You begin to understand truth and what God says about you and what God says about your circumstances. And as you begin to line up with what God says and how God does it, all of a sudden freedom comes. All of a sudden deliverance comes. All of a sudden healing comes. Oop. That electric bill got paid. Praise Jesus. Remember that electric bill? You didn't have the money for it? Start trusting God with it. Remember when you were going to be short on rent? Guess what? God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But you know what the key is? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Are you trusting in him? Are you having confidence in him? Are you having faith in him? Do you believe that he can do what he says he can do in your life? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In other words, quit trying to figure it all out. Quit trying to do it your way. Oh, my way. It's my way or the highway, baby. That's what most people think. Well, guess what? God said there's a way that seems right to a man. But the end of it leads to death. There's a way that seems right to a man. But there's only one way that's right, and that's God's way. There's only one way that's right, and that's God's way. Well, praise the Lord. You know, that's the deal. Start trusting the Lord. Start turning to God. Start seeking out God's ways concerning your situation. And all of a sudden, you'll get heaven's result. You'll get heaven's result. When's the last time you prayed about something before you made a decision? I know I need to get more prayerful this year about my decisions. When's the last time you really sought an answer from God about what to do 
with your week or with your day or with your weekend or with your finances or with your gifts and talents? You know, what, what do you do with them? So begin to commit your ways to the Lord. Remember, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. That means in everything you're going to do, acknowledge Him, acknowledge Him, acknowledge Him. What does that mean? Confer with Him about it. Talk to Him about it. Check with God about it. Make sure He's cool with it. And then guess what's going to happen? In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Once you begin to check with the Lord and you stop trying to figure it out and you start to do things the Bible way, all of a sudden he's going to start giving you direction. Then all of a sudden you're, you're going to be on the right track. You're going to be going forward. You're going to be making progress in life. You're going to be able to succeed and accomplish some things because you're going to go forward. See, God says, my, ple- my soul has no pleasure in him that draws back. If you're coming into the kingdom of God, you've got to put your hand to the plow and not look back, he says. What does that mean? That means there's forward momentum in the kingdom of God. There's no time to go backwards. See, God's kingdom is constantly perpetuating in a forward motion, always accomplishing whatever God sends his word out to do. It's out there accomplishing things. Continually bearing fruit. Continually bearing fruit. That's the way the kingdom rolls. And if you're going to get into the kingdom of God, if you're going to stay in the kingdom of God, you've got to develop a kingdom mindset. You've got to get a kingdom mentality. You've got to start thinking on a different level. You've got to get up above all this stuff. That's why Jesus says, set your mind on things above, not on things below which are temporal, but set your mind on things above, which are eternal. That's why I said cast down vain imaginations. Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, get rid of it. Why did he say that? Because there's things that are competing with God in your life. There's voices, people's opinions, and even your own opinions that are competing with God's opinion and God's word. And God wants you to make a choice. Choose you this day who you will serve. Sometimes there's choices in the kingdom. And God says, don't you waver between two opinions. A double-minded man is stable in all his ways. You know why there's instability in your life? You know why I've had instability in my life? Anytime double-mindedness has come into my life, it's brought instability. Anytime I tried to do God's way and my thing or tried to do my thing for a little while, guess what? Double-mindedness. Guess what? Instability. And you know what? It says don't think you're going to get anything from the Lord. Let that man not think he's going to get. This is in James chapter 1, verse 9, if you want to check me on it, or chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. But it says, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let him not waver between two opinions. Let him not think he can ask anything of the Lord and receive it. If you got one foot in the in the Lord's kingdom, 
and you're using that same foot to kick to kick a brother. What's the Lord going to think about that? Have you claimed to be the intercessors of people, but yet you end up being the accuser of the brethren? Instead of pointing to God, you're pointing fingers at people. Instead of pointing to God for them, you're pointing fingers at them. Instead of interceding for them, you're accusing them. So you're, you're either an intercessor of the brethren, or you're the accuser of the brethren. Ooh. Lord just gave me that. We all need to think about that. I need to think about that. You need to think about that. Everybody needs to think about that. You're either you're either in one camp or the other. You're either the intercessor or you're the accuser of the brethren. You're either bringing healing and your job is to help restore people in the kingdom. Or you're bringing woundedness and division and you're tearing people down trying to kick them out of the kingdom. And you need to decide what your role is. See, God says you who are spiritual should restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. When a brother's fallen, if you're a real spiritual person, guess what you're supposed to do? Restore, 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 restore. What if God didn't give you a second chance? Where would you be? What if God decided not to restore you? Where would you be? I know where I would be. I know where I would be. If God hadn't restored me when I fell, if God hadn't restored me when I fell, You know, life is hard. And we need people to lift us up, not not put us down. We need people to build us up in the things of God. So life gets hard. But how do we build ourselves up? How do we build ourselves up in the inner man? How do we build other people up? How do we set our minds on... The things above. Listen, God said, whatsoever things are good, pure, lovely, and of good report, think on these things. Set your mind on things above. Cast down vain imagination. See, we're, we're commanded by God even what we're to set our minds on. We're told by God, meditate day and night on, on my word. Set no evil thing before your eyes. Don't let my law depart from your eyes. Think about that. God says, don't put evil before your eyes, but rather put my words before your eyes. Why? Because, see, whatever you picture, whatever you meditate on, whatever you see, you begin to think about. Whatever you look at comes through your eye gate and gets in your mind. And whatever you think about in your mind, as a man can get in his heart, so he is. We talked about this the other night. And as you're thinking and you're meditating, Jesus said, if you believe in your heart 
and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. Well, everything in the kingdom works with the same principle. We believe in our hearts. From the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks, which means confession is made. And then when our words are confessed, the Bible says there's power of life and death in our words. Those that love it will eat the fruit thereof. So whatever we confess, we will possess. So whatever you meditate on, whatever's in your heart will flow out of your mouth. And whatever flows out of your mouth will flow into your life. So flows from your mind to your mouth, out of your mouth into your life. And see, everything in the kingdom works that way, good or bad. Good or bad. That's why Jesus he was, Jesus said, whatsoever things you say, well, let me share a principle with you real quick. Hang on just a second. I'll tell you what, we're going to break for a song. And when we get back, we're going to get into some words um, because uh, my mouth's getting very dry and I need to take a break. And we're going to take some prayer requests. We're going to come back and finish this up and we're going to go into a time of prayer. So right now we're going to break for a song. And then we're going to get into the word about words. Praise God. So here we go.
the fire fall, let the wind blow, let the glory come down. Let the fire fall, let the wind blow, let the glory come down. Let the fire fall, let the wind blow, let the glory come down. Hear it over, let the fire fall, let the wind blow.
it will be done for him. Now let me read it to you. Yeah, and my wife just wanted to graciously remind me that a lot of times people think this talk about real mountains, and maybe in some point in time it will or might, you know, if you're facing a real mountain, you know, who knows what miracle God will do for you. But what this is saying is when you're faced with a situation in your life that looks impossible, that to you is a huge mountain, okay, a situation in your life that seems like there's no way to get around it or over it or through it or whatever. It's just there. Okay, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to give it to you in the King James Version. It says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things, say those things, I want you to say those things. Those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Notice he didn't say, if you'll believe the things that I said. Jesus didn't say. If you'll believe the things that I say, and you'll speak them out of your mouth, and they'll come to pass. No. Although that is true, and that is a truth, Jesus said it like this. Those Things which you say shall come to pass. So whatever you speak out of your mouth, the Bible says from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that means whatever you're meditating on the most, whatever you're thinking about, whatever you have faith in the most, whatever you believe the most is going to come out of your mouth. So you can say, I believe the Lord will heal me. We'll get back into this. And I've touched on this a couple of days now because I want you to get this in your spirit for a reason because if you'll get a hold of this and if I'll get a hold of this listen it'll change your life it'll change your life I've noticed the seasons of my life the seasons of my life where I did not get a grip on my words changed the next seasons of my life the seasons of my life where I did not get a grip on my obedience in the kingdom changed the next seasons of my life the, thing, the the seasons in my life when I chose to do things my way made a huge difference in how the next season of my life went. And that is, plays the same as since I've been married over the last four years. My wife will tell you. Sometimes how we enter into one season and how we react in one season and how we carry ourselves in that season truly does play out in the next season or even seasons of our lives can affect you for years. So get a grip on this. Listen. When you speak something out of your mouth, there's a power to the spoken word. See, when God spoke light, guess what happened? It changed the whole environment and light came into the picture. When Jesus spoke to the centurion, the servant that was sick, spoke to him, and the son was healed, sorry, he said, the minute you spoke, I got word from my servant that the very minute you gave that word, he was healed. Listen, 
sister. There's a power in the spoken word. There's power of life and death in our tongues. There's power of sickness or health. There's power of poverty or, or riches, abundance. There's a negative or positive to everything that you speak. It's a two-sided coin. Your mouth is a two-sided coin. And you need to decide either you're going to speak life or you're going to speak death. You're either going to speak healing or you're going to speak sickness. You're either going to speak blessing and success or you're going to speak curses and failures. You choose. Choose you this day who you will serve. God says you either serve God or you serve them. And you either serve your system, you serve your way of doing things, or you serve God's way of doing things. You've got to get a hold of this. Get the word of God in your mouth. Get the word of God in your mouth. Get the word of God in your mouth. Get the word of God in your mouth concerning your situation. You've got to get God's perspective. Remember what you confess, you possess. And it's true. It's true. It's even the subtle things that you say on a day-to-day basis. Oh, I'm tired of this. Oh, that makes me sick. Oh, this and that. Even the subtle things that you think are so insignificant, just the way you say things can have a profound effect on the way things turn out or the way you feel or the way your circumstances go. And it has a profound effect on the way our prayer life is. It has a profound effect on the way God responds to us. It's all interconnected. Every seed produces a harvest. Unless it's just a bad seed. Unless it doesn't, you know, pop. Unless it doesn't grow. But most spiritual seeds uh, that you put out there grow one way or the other, either negative or positive. So we need to get the word of God in our mouth. Meditate day and night. Listen. This isn't some new deal. This isn't some new revelation. You know, this is just basic Christianity. And if you can't get a hold of these things, don't try to get a hold of the deep things of God. If you can't get a hold of the simple things, don't worry about the weightier matters. How are you going to raise the dead when you can't even forgive? (laughs) You know? Come on. How are you going to believe God for a million dollars when he can't even trust you with with giving 10% of your paycheck? Oh, God, if I had a million dollars, I would do this for you. Well, why don't you start by giving 10% to your church or ministry or to the poor or to something other than yourself? Just start with what you have, you know? Oh, God, one day when I get a chance to get behind the pulpit, I'll tell everybody about you. We'll start with the the guy that's begging for change at the 7-Eleven 
or the grocery store or the guy standing by the gas station, you know, with, with nowhere to be. Start knocking doors in your community and, and sharing Christ with people instead of, oh, if I I can't wait till I get to go overseas and do missions work, God. And you're still waiting. You've been a Christian for 20 years. But you haven't even gone five minutes up the road to knock on the door to invite somebody to church. In fact, your Christianity is so bold. You can't even talk about Christ in the office place or invite people to church because you're embarrassed. But yet you want to go do world missions in Africa. But you can't even tell your coworker that's suicidal and depressed and miserable because they don't have Christ in their lives. You can't take five minutes to share your living Jesus with them. How are you going to go to Africa and lead a crusade? <laughs> Let's just get real. We thank God I'll die for you, but we can't even live for him. Oh, God, I'll do this for you. Well, you can't even get out of bed ten minutes early to pray. But you're going to go do this and that. Come on, let's all get real. We've all been there. I'm just as guilty. I've done it. Been there. I wore the T-shirt. I need to get out of bed ten minutes earlier every day and pray more. We all do. I'm just making a point. And if what I said offends you, well, be a Christian and forgive me. Or I guess take an offense in your heart and take it to God. Because the deal is, is this. We're building the kingdom. It's not time to build your little sand castles. And when the winds and waves and the storms of life come by, just mows them over. And you're left with nothing but a big pile of dirt. But see, God says he's building his kingdom one living stone at a time. And those living stones are people. And they're fit together to build a habitation of the living God, a holy house. See, God puts people together. And when there's two or more gathered in agreement, he's in the midst. And when they lift up praises and prayer in his name, he dwells and inhabits their praises and comes and dwells in the midst. And when the glory of God comes and settles on a person, on a household, on a group of people, on a church, on a community. And get ready for transformation. Get ready for miracles. Get ready for things to start shaking. Get ready for the uh, even the uh, the economy of that community to change dramatically when the name of Jesus is lifted up. I'm just telling you, we're talking about a living gospel that works, not some religious Bible study, not some history lesson, not some Sunday school lesson, a good old plastic Jesus on the dashboard bottling away. Oh, Lord. Listen, he's a living God. He's not a a little plastic guy on a wooden cross that we hang on the wall, okay? He's not some picture of a baby in swaddling clothes laying in the arms of some prima donna. He's not. He's a living God. And when he comes back, he's going to have fire in his eyes. Okay? And he's going to have a legion of angels with him. And all hell is going to break loose 
and all heaven is going to break loose, and there's going to be blood and fire and vapor of smoke, and darkness is going to cover the, the earth, and the Lord is going to come piercing through that darkness, and everything's going to shake, rattle, and roll. And he's not going to look like the baby in a manger. And he's not going to look like a little plastic Jesus on the cross. And he's not going to look like a little statue sitting in the courtyard, you know, of, of, the, of the great Jesus. Listen, he's a living God. He's not a statue. He's not a crucifix. He's not a nativity scene. He's not a Bible study. And he wants to be honored and respected. He wants to be experienced. He wants to be loved, and he wants to love you, and he wants you to let him into your life. And if you do, your life will change dramatically. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be some fairy tale the minute you pray and say, Jesus, come into my heart. No, it's not. And anyone that told you that lied to you. So it's not a gospel we preach here. We're not seeker-friendly. Sorry. I mean, we love the seeker. But we love the one that we're seeking more. We love the Lord more. How about we be spirit-friendly instead of seeker-friendly? Let's stop being man-pleasers and let's be God-pleasers. I know I need to stop being a man-pleaser and I need to be a God-pleaser. I need to stop being anxious for things and, and give myself the prayer and supplication. I need to stop thinking on the, the the grounds of the with the rest of the world how to figure out how to get through our economic crisis and how we can do all these things the world's way and this and that and try to save ourselves when I should be on my face seeking God and looking for a word from God about how to get through this end time crisis. And so should you. Because listen, not everything is as it appears. Your job is only as good as is, you know, whatever. Believe me, and this might sound sensitive, but when the people were working in the World Trade Center the day on 9-11, gloating over their million-dollar stock deals and how secure their future was, they didn't realize that by the end of the day, it was over with. Okay? All it took. Okay, was a bunch of crazy people with an agenda, and they ruined a lot of futures. And you've got no security in this world. It takes one crazy person to come into your life and change the course of your life forever. It takes one bad choice. And you better be secure in the word of the Lord. And you better know where the Lord wants you. And you better turn your ear to heaven. Because unless you have a word from the Lord in this end time, you know, life is hard. Life is hard. But you know what? It's a lot harder when you're not in the arms of a loving Savior. When you don't have the everlasting arms of God wrapped around you and sovereignly moving on your behalf. Do you have God in your camp? Is God for you? I'm here to tell you that he is. Unless you're opposing his kingdom, unless you're defying him, 
God is for you. And he's got an amazing plan for your life. He knows the, the thoughts and the plans that he has for you. He's got plans to give you hope and give you a future. He's got an expected end for you. That means you can expect good things in your hand if you're in the Lord. And we've all got an expected end because we're all going to be in glory if we're in Christ Jesus. If we're people of the Spirit, children of the Lord, listen. There's going to be a day when you wake up in glory, and it's going to be glorious, and everything's going to be better. No matter how hard it is in this life, no matter what you think bad thing happens to you in this life, listen, compared to the glory that's coming, it's nothing. It's a blink of an eye. The 80, 90, 100 years. Bible says 120 if we do things the Bible way. Some of us. You know, Bishop Otis Clark's still kicking at, what, 109, something like that? 110? I don't know. But praise God, he's still got his real teeth. 110 years old, 109 years old. Preaching the word of God. Oh, yeah. And that boy can eat. Praise Jesus. Let me tell you something. I only know this because they told us. My point is, look. With long life, he will satisfy you and show you his salvation. With long life, he will satisfy you and show you his salvation. Look, how how long is forever? Just ask yourself, how long is forever? A long time. Long life. And if you're in the kingdom, you got an eternity for Jesus to love on you. But let me tell you something. If you're not in the kingdom, you've got an eternity to think about. Separation from God, utter darkness, nothing going right. You think the text is Utah? You ever touch a stove at the wrong time? You felt it for a while even after your hand came off of it, right? And that was just temporary. That wasn't eternal. All I'm saying is reevaluate things in your life. And if you're not doing things the Lord's way, God's offering you a chance to turn. If you're doing things God's way, praise God. Keep doing them God's way. Keep seeking wisdom. Keep seeking the Lord. But if not, there's still hope for you. All you got to do is turn and repent. So look, we're going to break for a song, give you some time to think about some things, and then we're going to come back and pray. But we're talking about prayer, we're talking about communion with God, we're talking about just getting our hearts right. That's what it's all about. God wants hearts right. He doesn't want a bunch of, a new batch of Pharisees and Sadducees. He isn't putting up with that since before Jesus' time. Come on. He's looking for people that will believe him. He's looking for people that will take him at his word. He's looking for people that will test him in some things and say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a chance on you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give you more. I'm gonna go for this, God. I'm gonna do things your way, God. I'm gonna see what this kingdom stuff is all about. Listen, 
You'll never thirst again. You'll never be the same again, I can tell you that. If you get a genuine touch of the Spirit of God and the living Christ comes into your life, listen, I'm not talking about church, no. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about Bible study. I'm talking about an encounter with the living God. Now, it'll make you want to read the Bible. It'll make you want to go to church at times. But I'm talking about an encounter with the living God. That's what you need.
guys. So we're back. So just wanted to wrap up in a word of prayer. You know, we were just sharing, uh, basically just talking about the words of our mouths, talking about our confession, talking about just getting a right attitude in the things of God and keeping our minds seated with Christ. You know, we're supposed to be seated with Christ. Now, biblically we are, but a lot of times we don't choose to sit there. You understand? See, your mind and your spirit, your your attitude and your focus is really what seats you in the things of the kingdom. See, we're told to look unto Jesus. That means we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. That means we've got to turn our eyes and our focus on heaven. Set your mind on things above, not on things below. So it's a setting of your mind. It's a setting of your eyes. It's a setting of your heart. So that's what we're going to pray tonight, just that the Lord would refocus you for this new year, that he would set your heart right, and that he would help you to focus on the things of God this year, help you to get a kingdom mindset this year, and begin to acknowledge him in everything that you're doing. So, Father, Lord, help us. Father, help your people. And, Lord, we pray right now, Father God, in Jesus' name, Father, for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done, that you'd help us to seek first your kingdom, that you'd help us to acknowledge you, you'd help us to put you first, that, Father, we begin to seek your wisdom out and do things your way. Father, help us to seek out forgiveness and not hold people in our hearts or hold offenses in our hearts and harden the soil of our hearts, but, Father, help us to release them. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for aligning us and working in us and working with us, Father, to get us into a position to receive from you, Lord. We thank you. Father, help your people. Position your people to receive from you. Father, we pray, Lord God, for those that don't know you, take the scales off their eyes. We pray for those that were in and out of the chat room tonight. Just bring them to the knowledge of Christ. Bring them to salvation. Those that are listening, Father, we seek healing over them right now. We pray for their destinies and God, their assignments to come to pass and be fulfilled. Father, we declare, Lord, that you're going to do exceedingly abundantly above all they could ever ask or think this year. Father, we pray for families, Lord, for unity in the home right now, peace in marriages, family, uh, parent-child relationships uh, turned uh, right. Father, right now we just pray. Hearts of the sons, we turn to the fathers, and the fathers to the sons. Hearts of the daughters to the mothers, the mothers to the daughters, Lord. Begin to turn husbands and wives to bring a unity and a passion in the marriages, Father God. And, Father, we just pray right now in Jesus' name, those that are sick or broken or diseased in their body right now, we speak to those bodies, and we say in Jesus' name, be healed. We say by the stripes of Jesus Christ, you are healed. Father, we pray right now, Father God, we declare that children's Bread is healing. Begin to meditate on the word of the Lord. Forget not his benefits. He heals all your diseases. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 103. And God is not a liar. But Father, we speak healing and peace and wholeness over your people tonight. We pray, Father God. Just bless the worst of their hands and give them ears to hear and give them hearts to obey. In Jesus' mighty name, 
Amen.